The GX on Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. When you're in the market for a new Ford, stop by Future Ford for a great selection of new and used vehicles. GX on Agriculture with Rod McDonald. And good afternoon, everyone. It's coming up on 17 after 12 after 1 in Manitoba. Once again today, busy program coming up on GX on Agriculture. Saskatchewan Agriculture releasing its weekly crop report this morning. I spoke with uh, Mackenzie Ladoon. She's a crop extension specialist with Saskatchewan Agriculture and compiles the weekly crop report. So we'll hear from Mackenzie on the program today. We'll follow up on yesterday's announcement from the federal and Saskatchewan governments of a new initiative to support Saskatchewan livestock producers being challenged by extremely dry conditions again this year. Uh, Laura Lee Holston is acting vice president of operations at Saskatchewan Crop Insurance Corporation. And she'll join us today to talk about what sort of measures are being instituted to help those livestock producers. And we'll continue our discussion with uh, Esther Hazy area farmer Kevin Rushka. Talk a little bit about uh, that large farm, one of the largest uh, green farms in Saskatchewan, and uh, their plans to transition uh, the farm to... The, the children and uh, I just got some other thoughts from Kevin about uh, Bridgeview Manufacturing which is an offshoot uh, another arm of Rushka Farms and how that got started so that conversation is coming up on the program today as well so stay tuned for that first though it's time for the agriculture weather outlook and it's a presentation of Milligan Bio Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock giving your animals more protein more energy and more of what they need and Sean Prahika your Remax blue chip egg division specialist agriculture outlook with precision weather and it's time now for Precision Weather with meteorologist Phil Spivak. Phil, we're still looking for those rain clouds that we asked about yesterday, and you kind of indicated that, well, there's nothing really significant coming our way for the next foreseeable future. The only thing we might see is some smoke. Yeah, and there are some uh, some advisories for air quality off to our west. Uh, the, the whole circulation wrapping around this big storm to the north having no problem pulling some of that smoky air back in right now across western portions of Saskatchewan, cutting in just to our south. Uh, sort of, you can see the wrap in the alerts uh, wrapping back around to our to our north from the east, then to our uh, west from the north, and to our south from the west. If I drew that correctly in the air, I'm actually doing it with my finger. Uh, but th- that that's where it's feeding right now, because the storm system is sitting just to our northeast, causing that circulation. The Rain clouds are following a similar circulation, but they're much tighter into the storm. We're seeing no problem with the moisture feeding northward. It's that stuff that's getting pulled back around that's not really over the, uh, over, overly impressive. And that's why I'm not sure we're going to see a whole lot from this system. There's plenty of, uh, plenty of movement in the atmosphere, plenty of instability, not much moisture. It's just a lot of dry air that's also getting fed in around the system, almost layers. You have the layer of the dry, which is uh, feeding in and sort of wrapping around the moisture, then a layer of this moisture, which is going to be holding tight to the uh, provincial border. And uh, we'll see some showers, especially over western Manitoba, but there's really not going to be a whole lot that moves farther west than that. Through the day, uh, the smoky conditions to our west will start to move. We'll see a little bit in the air at times today, tonight, tomorrow. Uh, That threat is there. It's warm, though, today, a temperature around 26. The wind's turning a little gusty as the afternoon goes on. The wind settles back down tonight, low of 13. 
The sky mainly clear, some smoke in the air, again, primarily to our uh, north and west. The wind, though, is from the north and west. That's why I think some of us will get into that at least patchy smoke. It's the stuff you see filtering the sun a little bit, not necessarily stuff that you can actually smell in the air. A partly sunny sky for Friday. A chance for some spotty showers. We'll peg the chance at 30%. We'll peg the amounts at negligible, uh, just sprinkles mainly. A little breeze for the afternoon as well. It's slightly cooler as the, as uh, another as the system moves in. It brings in some cooler air as well from the north. That starts to, to feed in, even though the moisture is limited. So much wrapping around this one storm, and just... One of them is not moisture for most of us. 11 degrees the low tomorrow night, 20 degrees on Saturday. Uh, cloud and sunshine, again, that uh, best shower threat, western Manitoba. A few elsewhere, and a few Sundays as well, mainly early in the day. Mostly sunny sky with a high of 20 on Sunday. Back up to 22 with a sunny sky on Monday. And once the system pulls away, which it starts to do Sunday night into Monday, gets a, more of a clear shot away on Tuesday. We get into some warmer temperatures for the uh, middle and second half of next week. All right, thank you, Phil. Now, this hour's temperature roundup, 18 degrees in La Paw, 19 for Winyard, Wadena, and Calvington. 21 this hour in Indian Head, along with Broadview, Mooseman, and Roblin. At 22 degrees, we find Hudson Bay and Swan River. Shoal Lake Russell, 23 and 24 degrees in Dauphin and Brandon, Regina, and Saskatoon. In the Yorkton-Melville region, not really sure, is that haze or is that smoke? Combination of the two. Yeah, let's go with that. Wind westerly 21, gusts up to about 32 kilometers an hour. Relative humidity is 55%. Our current temperature up one in the past hour, now 22. Yesterday's high and low, 23 and 9, normals 24 and 12. No precipitation over the 24-hour period, ending at midnight last night. Sunrise this morning was at 4.49. The sun will set tonight at 9.01. The warmest place in the province yesterday, LaRange, 27. The coolest, Spiritwood, 2. In Manitoba, Grand Rapids, and Flin Flon, both got up to 26 degrees. The warmest places in Manitoba yesterday. The hot spot in the country, uh, Ashcroft, B.C., once again, hitting 33. Once again, our current temperature is 22 degrees. It's coming up on 1224 now, 124 in Manitoba. A quick break, and we're right back after this. Thank you, Alan. Ag Review is coming up next. The federal and Saskatchewan governments announced yesterday measures to support Saskatchewan livestock producers facing challenges resulting from extremely dry conditions this year. Saskatchewan Crop Insurance Corporation will allow additional acres of low-yielding cereal and pulse crops to be diverted to feed. Laura Lee Holston is the acting vice president of operations with Saskatchewan Crop Insurance Corporation. We're raising the threshold, the, the low yield threshold, where we would count that production for those acres at zero. So our, for example, normal low yield threshold for oats is 10 bushels an acre. And so with doubling it, producers who have a crop at 20 bushels or lower um, would have the appraisal for those acres counted as zero towards their claim, but we would use the actual appraisal in their future coverage. Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bibot says the change to the low-yield threshold aims to help producers make critical decisions about how to move forward with their crop and feed requirements. 
Saskatchewan. Agriculture Minister David Merritt says they're committed to supporting farmers and ranchers to lessen the impact of challenging conditions and want to encourage crop producers to again work with neighboring livestock producers to make feed available. Livestock producers may have their own crop acres, so could benefit from that, you know, extra indemnity from the program sooner. Um, but also it encourages grain producers to um, free up some of that production, um, that they get extra coverage from crop insurance. And um, if they make that if they make that feed available for livestock producers. And so that's not available to them if they use those acres for another use. So if they were to plow down the acres, for example, um, they, they, like as a green manure crop or whatever, they wouldn't be eligible for that double low yield appraisal. Holton points out the initiative is only available to producers who are already in the crop insurance program. The same initiative was implemented back in 2021 and resulted in over 345,000 acres of additional crop being redirected to feed. I asked Holston if they expect to see similar numbers this year. Um, I think it's a little hard for us to say right now. We'll have to wait and see, you know, how um, maybe the size of the area is a little different than it was in 2021. But, you know, in some of the areas that are uh, hardest impacted, I believe it's probably worse growing conditions in some areas than it was in 2021 as well. And so, you know, in those areas, there may be more uptake of it. Um, but um, we're really just um, leaving it up to producers to redirect their feed or to make those decisions on their own. Um, maybe the other thing I should add is that um, even for crops that are above those thresholds, producers can redirect them to feed at any time. Um, the difference being that, you know, for their crop insurance claim, we'll count the full appraisal. So if you have a 30 bushel oat crop, you can put it to feed. We'll count 30 towards your production for the year. There will likely be a lot of growers filing crop claims this year, but Holston says we won't know the final numbers until late in the fall. So the claims that we're getting now are, you know, really only on those acres where producers want to put them to an alternate use. And so, you know, it might be feed or it might be plow down or something, right? But those are the only ones that we'd be getting right now. Um, the deadline for registering claims for the year is really our November 15th um, post-harvest deadline. And so um, it'll be quite a bit later in the year before we know what our claim numbers are. Um, and I would say crops are quite variable across the province right now. So, you know, even though there are some pockets that are, you know, on top of being very dry are having um, grasshopper damage as well. Um, there's other parts of the province that are, you know, still holding on and looking like they're in pretty good shape. And so, you know, quite variable, which is a little different than 2021 that was quite a bit more widespread. Producers can get additional information by contacting your local Saskatchewan Crop Insurance Office by calling 1-888-935-0000 or you can also visit the Saskatchewan Crop Insurance website at scic.ca. AgReview is coming up next. BX94 AgReview. 
Saskatchewan Agriculture released its weekly crop report this morning. Saskatchewan Agriculture's Mackenzie Ledoon says crops continued to progress this past week with the warm temperatures across the province. And canola is beginning to pod and wheat is beginning to flower in many of the areas. However, dry conditions are impacting parts of the province and many producers are hoping for rain immediately. Ladoon says very little rain was received across the province this past week. The most was in the Dinsmore area, southwest of Saskatoon, with 14 millimeters. With the lack of rain and warm temperatures, soil moisture levels have continued to decline. Cropland topsoil moisture is currently at 21% adequate, 55% short, and 24% very short. Hay and pastureland is a very similar pattern and is currently at 17% adequate, 55% short, and 28% very short. Ladoon says crops are either ahead or at normal stages of development for this time of year. Where fall cereals are 31% ahead and 66% normal stages of development, spring cereals are 33% ahead of development and 60% at normal stages. Oil seeds are also 33% ahead and 58% at normal stages of development, and pulse crops are 28% ahead and 67% at normal stages of development for this time of year. Ladoon says livestock producers made steady progress this past week with haying operations. And 51% of the first cut of hay has been baled or silage, while 26% is cut and 23% is still standing. The quality of hay ranges from either excellent to fair, with 59% in good quality. Ladoon says there was some crop damage reported across the province this past week. Crop damage this past week comes from heat and moisture stress and also grasshoppers. Producers are, remind, are reminded to keep in mind of economic thresholds when scouting for the grasshoppers and to reach out to the local regional offices if they have any questions regarding their economic threshold. And is there anything you'd like to add, Mackenzie? Just with the heat, water quality is also at the top of the mind for many producers and if they are concerned, they're welcome to bring in a water sample into the local regional offices for testing. Also, this is a very stressful time of year with a lot of the heat and moisture stress impacting producers and they're welcome to phone the farm stress line for providing, toll for, or providing support toll free at 1-800-667-4442. Mackenzie Ladoon provides the, or compiles the weekly Saskatchewan crop report. Market reaction to yesterday's world agricultural supply demand estimates was swift and dramatic. U.S. corn futures fell to their lowest level since early 2021 after USDA projected a larger-than-expected domestic crop and rising supplies. Soybean futures also tumbled after USDA's forecast of 2023-24 soy ending stocks fell above a range of trade estimates. And wheat futures were pressured by a larger-than-expected U.S. production figure. Those markets have bounced back today and are all trading in the black. On the world front, there were some notable production changes, with production in Argentina, Canada, and the EU falling due to dryness. Canada and Argentine production each fell by 2 million metric tons to 35 million metric tons respectively, and EU wheat production was lowered by 2.5 million metric tons. The UN Secretary General is trying to broker a deal with Russia to extend a UN brokered deal that allows grain to flow from Ukraine. Under the proposed agreement, Russia would agree to allow the safe export of grain from Ukraine 
in return for connecting a subsidiary of Russia's agricultural bank to the SWIFT international payment system. The European Union cut Russia off from the SWIFT international payment system in June 22 over Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Manitoba's Keystone Agricultural Producers and Manitoba Pork are calling for an immediate end to supply chain disruptions at Canada's West Coast ports due to the ongoing strike by port workers. CAP President Jill Burway says the strike has impacted agri-food goods that rely on container shipping, such as pulses, and livestock produced in Manitoba to reach destinations across the globe. Both CAP and Manitoba Pork sent letters last week to the union representing the port workers and the employer to raise their concerns, as well as to the federal labor minister. A northern Manitoba First Nation says it's helping to spearhead an endeavor for a deep water port at the mouth of the Nelson River on Hudson Bay. Fox Lake Cree Nation says it's executed a memorandum of understanding with the Nistanan Projects to conduct an environmental assessment and social impact study. An official with Fox Lake Cree Nation says the mission is to build an indigenous-owned seaport to service the prairies and provide major freight access to tidewater and markets around the world. The governments of Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba signed a Memorandum of Understanding earlier this year to explore the feasibility of interprovincial corridors. And that is today's Ag Review. It's coming up on 1239 now, 139 in Manitoba. We have the Livestock Market Report and our weekly report from Heartland Livestock in Yorkton coming up next. And it is time now for the Livestock Report, today's closing Livestock Futures, a presentation of Heartland Livestock in Yorkton. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Livestock. First, here are today's closing U.S. Livestock Futures for today. August live cattle, 176.90, up two cents. October live cattle closed at 180.10 a hundred weight, down 15 cents. August feeder cattle, $245 a hundred weight, down $1.57. September feeder cattle, $247.32, down $1.95. August lean hogs closed today at 96.50, up $1.15. And October lean hogs, 83.35, up $1.17. And those are today's closing U.S. Livestock Futures. Good afternoon. This is the Yorkton Heartland Livestock Market Report for the week of July the 12th. A huge run this week. My favorite job at Heartland is short cows, sell cows. I've seen enough cows this week to do me for a couple of months. 840 cows and bulls, over 300 feeders, and a total of 11.50 for the day. The cows were selling too lower, but our seven front row cow buyers held the market very steady. Good job to those gentlemen. They were kind enough to stay right to the end for us. D1, D2 cows, 140 to 150, sales to 158, 159, D3 cows, 130 to 140. Older type, weaker and thinner cows, 50 to 90. Cows are averaging 141. From that Calder area, 1,600 pound cows topped out at 160. 
Good bulls. They were steady this week, 150 to 160. Sales to 173, 174. Bulls are averaging 158. From that Rokenville area, 2,200-pound good exotic bulls topped out at 175. On the feeder market, 5 to 600-pound steers, 340 to 373. 6 to 7s, 320 to 375. And 7 to 800-pound steers, 280 to 330. On the heifer side, 5 to 600-pound heifers, 305 to 330. 6 to 7s, 285 to 308, 7 to 800 pound heifers, 230 to 280, and 8 to 900 pound heifers, 245 to 270. Highlight of the morning, we had some 700 pound steers, they topped out at 335, and a package of black heifers, 640 pounds, they topped out at 310. No sale next week, July the 19th. We are shut down for yard maintenance. Next sale will be Wednesday, July the 26th. We also have some big strings of yearlings consigned and semi-loads of cows consigned for that sale. If you've got cull cows close to home, probably a good idea to move some of them. Have you folks been watching the Rangeland Derby at the Calgary Stampede? The chuck wagon races? Les McIntyre does a good job. The louder you cheer, the quicker they'll get here. Favorite part. Kind of catchy saying. I'm Harvey Exner. Have a good day. Thank you very much, Harb. It's uh, 12.43 now, 1.43 in Manitoba. I am Rod McDonald, filling in this week for Doug Falconer. Doug will be back next week. Of course, he'll be attending Ag in Motion in Langham and reporting back during that. So looking forward to having Doug back in the captain's chair here again next week. The executive director of the Canadian Pork Council is urging members of the Senate to approve a new bill which will provide additional exemptions to farmers from Canada's carbon pricing scheme as quickly as possible. Bill C-234, a private member's bill that will create specific exemptions for farmers to the carbon pricing scheme, has been passed in the House of Commons and is now awaiting Senate approval. Canadian Pork Council Executive Director Stephen Heckbert says the Pork Council felt it was important to support this legislation and was part of the lobbying effort to move these changes forward. We were a uh, part of sort of lobbying for this bill. Um, I think it's important for uh, farmers uh, that we got some relief from uh, carbon pricing, uh, from the carbon tax uh, for farm inputs. So from our perspective, this was an important um, you know, bill to uh, to support and and work with with folks on moving it forward. So, uh, super happy with uh, with the result at this moment. Obviously, it's not through the Senate yet, um, and you know, it's our understanding there are some groups would love to see um, you know this expanded. The challenge is is any expansion to this bill would send it back to the House of Commons, which would have a um, could well uh, mean that the bill would not actually get royal assent. So. Uh, for any groups that are looking to, uh, you know, propose amendments to this bill, uh, our advice would be, let's get this bill passed. Uh, let's make sure it clears the Senate as is. And then if there are, um, if there are other things you'd like to see improved in the bill, uh, let's do those on a, on a future version of it. Heckbert notes the Canadian hog sector is facing significant challenges. Right at this exact moment, the Vancouver port strike is, uh, is sort of, you know, top of mind for me. Uh, that's an enormous challenge that uh, farmers are facing because, of course, we don't um, have the, the kind of cold storage uh, in Canada because we've moved to very much sort of just-in-time production and just-in-time shipping. So 
So important, you know, that's one economic challenge, but there's there's broader economic challenges at this exact moment, right? So feed costs have been high. We've had uh, interest rates are rising. So there are a variety of economic challenges that are creating a bit of a, uh, of a challenge for farmers uh, in the short term. Um, and so, again, anything that we can do that'll help uh, ease some of those pressures is, uh, is significant. Finally, we asked Heckbert to expound on what effect the carbon tax has had on farmer profitability. Federal carbon tax is a, is a government policy decision. Uh, and so difficult to sort of, you know, pick it out as one individual policy decision that's had an impact, uh, you know, on, on producers. Uh, and their economic viability. It's really a, it's the whole suite of things if you think about it. So where the, where the carbon tax has probably been, you know, most harmful is really about that it's going, you know, it, it, unlike the GST has sort of like every step of the process, uh, you know, you're paying for it. So, so, you know, adding a carbon tax onto farm inputs means that the price of food goes up, which means that people, uh, you know, having driven to the grocery store or paying, it, it just, it, it, because it's, it operates the way the old manufacturer sales tax uh, did, it, it's really um, the pass through of it is, uh, is a challenge. So that's really where we see the challenge is that, the, like, you're not really going to mitigate environmental impact just by making things more expensive. What you really want to focus on is ensuring uh, that we, we help and reward um, you know, particularly farmers who've done, I will say, and I think pork producers can be very proud of the work that they've done on trying to mitigate their environmental impact. Um, so vital, I think, for the government to look at the whole suite of environment. Carbon is only one part of the issue. Uh, you know, water usage is another part of the issue. Um, you know, ensuring uh, proper land usage and making sure that we're protecting farms is another part of the equation. So from that perspective, you know, it, it, it's vital that we, we do what we can. As C, you know, C234 is going to mitigate some of the impact of the carbon tax. But we really need a government policy that says this is, you know, looking at the overall environmental impact of industries and making sure that, uh, frankly, Canadians understand what the true, you know, environmental cost is. And, and, I'll, I'll give you an example from outside of, uh, of farming, but um, everyone keeps talking about electric vehicles. Well, electric vehicles, in order to get the critical minerals, um, it, there's an enormous environmental impact of going out to mine for those critical minerals. Uh, and so if you're looking at environmental impact, electric vehicles should have an enormous carbon tax element on them because the carbon that they're carrying in their batteries is huge. Um, so, the, you know, again, it's about looking at the overall environmental impact of activities in every one of these sectors. And I think that's what, you know, we'll continue to work with government on trying to get them to look at. Let's not just talk about the, the actual what's in the car. Let's talk about how we got to what's in the car. Canadian Port Council Executive Director Stephen Heckbert. It's 1249 now, 149 in Manitoba. And we have the closing grain prices coming up next. A commodities update. Canola futures showed some strong gains at the close again today. 
November canola 81440 up 1690 from yesterday's close. January canola 81290 up 1390. September Minneapolis wheat closed today at 861 and 3 quarters a bushel up 8 and a quarter cents. September Kansas City wheat 806 up 3 cents. September Chicago wheat 639 and 3 quarters a bushel up 7 cents. September corn closed today at 493 and a half up 17 and a quarter. August soybeans 1484 and 3 quarters up 40 and a half cents. September oats closed today at 407 a bushel and that was down a quarter of a cent. And those are today's closing commodity prices. Rushka Farms is an extremely large grain farm located in the Esterhazy area. The Rushka Farm stretches out over about a 25-mile area. They seeded 52,000 acres of wheat and canola this spring. Kevin Rushka says he started to take on more of a consulting role now as he transitions the operation to his children. Oh, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, Cassidy, Cassidy runs the Bridgeview Manufacturing pretty much solely. I seldom uh, intervene there. And Sawyer uh, manages the farm uh, almost entirely. I guess I'm a, I'm a consultant now and I'm brought to the table when there's problems usually. So, uh, yeah, so I've, I'm stepping back and let, letting them, I guess, keep keeping my nose out of there so that they can make the decisions and, and not micromanage them, which, you know, lots of us old farmers are notorious for doing so however i have uh, you know this will be my 42nd 43rd maybe 44th crop already i grew crop before i could sell it because of the wheat board so i've put in my time two life sentences actually so it's uh so i guess i kind of pretend to be in a uh semi-retirement stage but i'm probably working harder than i ever did but uh, the the boys for sure take the day-to-day stuff deal with the managed employees and all those calls so it's it's kind of nice actually and i'm enjoying it kevin you mentioned bridgeview manufacturing how did you branch out from farming into manufacturing i started oh bridgeview manufacturing i started welding in in 4-h so 4-h was the institution that's that uh, influenced me more than anything in, in more than than school and more than tech I, like i'm a journeyman welder and uh, I was welding and building stuff and repairing for farmers when I was 13, 14 years old. My dad, uh, he he was he had a welder and he held my hand when I was five, six years old and and had had me welding. And uh, so I started. 4-H led me down that path. I was in uh, beef and automotive and welding and carpentry and outdoorsmen and all those things. Sometimes two at a time and and welding seemed to have an opportunity people came to me and uh and my dad was a small farmer he he had like 400 acres of, of uh, broke land so and I, I wanted to farm so i knew i had to do something else so i was a journeyman welder by the time my college graduated high school and i started right from so i've been yeah i started right from a very young age like 13 14 15 doing any odd job anything for a buck and uh and I've been on a two two lane highway my entire life. <laughs> well, you seem like the type of guy who would be quick to adopt all the latest technologies, like autonomous equipment. Or am I reading you entirely wrong? 
I would say the opposite. I would say we will probably be followers. Uh, we're very observant and uh, sitting back and watching it. Uh, but we make small incremental changes on our farm uh, because when we make big changes, we usually make big mistakes. So I think in that respect, we're probably not going to be the leaders. There's, uh, I think that, you know, that's, that's single ownership farm. The little smaller one maybe is the one to do that. And those type of people are very technical and, and very interested and study it all winter long. And uh, so I'd like to say that, that that's the people we are, but I, I kind of don't think we are. But, uh, but you know, we're hopeful and, and certainly want to in, encourage it along because labor is an issue. So we're not going to see the autonomous tractors on your farm. Certainly not one of the first places we'll see them. Probably not. You might because they come to us first uh, because they are targeting the, the larger farmers. So so you may see it, but uh, you're going to probably see it on a more prototype basis with a bunch of the manufacturers in control of it off the start. So, uh, And uh, we've talked to them lots. We've been at many meetings with them, and uh, we kind of throw them, we, we get their... Uh, head spinning because the first thing we want to see autonomous is the stone pickers we have six stone picker tractors six people running those that's the first thing we want and an autonomous needs to know where stones are and can't run over them anyway so if it identifies a stone for an air seeder well then it should pick it so you know that gets them thinking and i said you know you could have two three stone pickers working in a field and, and have one surrogate that's that's man that's sort of watching it so when it drives into a slew and spins or a red lights flashing it's it's just it's all that all that technology is always shutting itself down uh, you know i've never rebooted so much stuff in my life as i have the last couple of years just reboot reboot reboots you're shut down and you you know you call the call the the technical support and they say did you reboot well of course we reboot and then they well reboot again we'll then do a major reboot do a hard reboot and then after you reboot 10 times then they finally come out so that's uh, that's a problem kevin rushka from rushka farms near esther hazy it's coming up on 1257 now 157 in manitoba and we have the farm bulletin board and we'll tackle that just before we go farm bulletin board quickly here just a couple of items coming up next week that uh, you're going to want to attend ag in motion of course july 18th through the 20th uh, located at discovery farm which is just northwest of saskatoon along highway 16 near langham and ag in motion goes tuesday through thursday next week they anticipate up to 30,000 people once again will attend of course our own doug falconer will be there and doug will be doing gx on agriculture live from ag in motion so listen for that next week also coming up next week on thursday july the 20th it is the yorkton crop plot tour put on by the east central research foundation and suncrest college now you should register pre-register for that because they do provide a barbecue lunch and uh, like to get some idea how many people they're going to have so they can you know make provisions to to uh, look after everyone call mike hall at 621-6032 that's 621-6032 if you'd like to attend the um, ecrf yorkton crop plot tour again it's coming up Next Thursday, it kicks off at uh, about 8.30 with registration. The tour itself gets underway at 9, and they wrap up right around lunch hour with a barbecue. So it's going to be a good day there. And that is uh, our 
Barn Bulletin Board for today. We'll close out today's program with our precision weather forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, and Russell regions. Partly to mostly sunny this afternoon. Areas of smoke. Wind northwest 25, gust to 40. Perhaps some gusts even higher than that. High 26. Mainly clear tonight, still some areas of smoke, though. Wind west-northwest 15 to 25, diminishing overnight. Overnight low, 13. Partly sunny tomorrow, 30% chance of spotty showers. Again, breezy. Wind northwest 20 to 35 with higher gusts. High tomorrow, 21. A mix of sun and clouds Saturday, 20% chance of spotty showers, 20. 30% chance of isolated showers Sunday before clearing. Daytime high again, 20. Then mainly sunny on Monday, high 22. Now this hour's temperature roundup, 18 degrees in the Paw, 19 in Winyard, Wadena, and Kelvington. 21 degrees for Indian Head, Broadview, Mooseman, and Roblin. 22 in Hudson Bay and Swan River. 23 for the Shoal Lake Russell region. Dauphin, Regina, Saskatoon, 24. In the York and Melville region, you have some haze or smoke. Take your pick. Westerly wind, 20, gusts just over 30. Relative humidity, 55%, and our temperature is 22 degrees. That's it for today. Join me again tomorrow afternoon at 1215, 1.15 in Manitoba for GX on Agriculture. It's time now for GX94's News and Sports Headlines.